we are in the second week of, uh, of a message series we started um, called I Am. And uh, we're looking at Jesus' way, in other words, Jesus' way to live, but according to Jesus' words. You know, and so uh, we started off last week, um, you know, I wanted to challenge everyone, and it's not something you hear people say when they get a hold of the microphone very often, but I challenged everyone, I said, hey, guess what you should do? You should not trust me. Okay? I said, don't take my word for what I have to say this morning, uh, or don't take the word of the internet or other people here. When it comes to what Jesus has to say about his way to live, about what he has to say about our relationship with God and truth and spirituality, you should go straight to the source. You should go right to what Jesus said that's written down in the Bible, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so in this series, I wanted to challenge everyone, let, let's go to what Jesus had to say for himself and decide how they're going to respond. Because if we're here this morning, we'll call ourselves a follower of Jesus. It would be kind of important that we know what he said. We better pay attention to what he had to say about what following him actually looks like. Because as we talked briefly about last week, you know, people are looking to take Jesus and attach him to their agenda all the time. It happens out of church. It happens in church. It happens in politics. It happens in advertising. It happens everywhere. But what I want to challenge us to do is to, is to peel away all this stuff and just go straight to what Jesus had to say. So that's what we're doing with the series. And in the book of John, which is his disciple, whose name was John, his account of Jesus' life, there are seven statements that Jesus makes that, that, that are called I am statements because they start with the words I am. And so we're looking at three of those in the series. And so last week we got started with John 14, verse 6. Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so we said, hey, that's a really big, audacious claim. And we said, hey, that's really uh, right um, in contrast to what is, is popular in our society to think that there's, hey, there's a bunch of different ways to enjoy and be a good person and, and have good spirituality. And if you're just being a nice person and doing good things, isn't that more important than whether or not, you know, you believe exactly all the same things? And wouldn't that be more important to God than that you believe that Jesus is the only way? And we said, well, you can certainly believe that way. You just can't believe that and also believe and follow Jesus because while Jesus' acceptance of people was really, really wide, you know, we looked at the passage where he, where he, he invites Matthew, the text of the all. like Jesus was more accepting of people than you are. He was way more accepting of people than I am. Like Jesus was was way more of an arm with people than, than us. But then when, when you came to follow Jesus, his way got really narrow. He said, this is how it's going to be. And so, you know, we talked about our perspective last week. And we ended last week, you know, saying that everyone, that Jesus insists that we trust his perspective over our own, which of course is not easy for any of us to trust someone else's perspective. And then we ended last week's talk with saying, hey, Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and life, but is he your way? Is he your truth? Is he your life? And so this morning, we're going to look at another really big uh, statement that Jesus had to say about himself. And we're going to look at what that means for us this morning. And so if you've been around church for, for a while, um, let me just give you a little, little like warning. You'll be tempted to check out and be like, John got this one. I'm familiar with this. I'm good. I don't need to really pay much attention. Um, somebody else needs to hear this. But do me a favor. Please don't check out on this. Because this truth, actually, when you, you dig into the implications of it, is one that we need to hear over and over and over again. I know that's true in my own life. And if you're here this morning, you're not sure you really buy into the whole Jesus thing. 
Um, I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really glad that maybe you're watching this um, after the fact because people who claim to follow Jesus, when we miss this, when people who say, I follow Jesus, when people who say, I'm a Christian, when we miss on this truth, this is often what causes hurt and pain in, in, in church. This is what causes people to get hurt in church. And, and if you'll stick with, stick with me on this through this message, this truth will change your life. When we apply this truth, it, it has the power to transform our life. And so we're going to look at this in John chapter 8. We're just going to jump right into what Jesus had to say, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. But Jesus says this in John chapter 8, uh, verse 12. says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, last week we talked about, you know, hey, that's a pretty, you know, big statement that Jesus made last week. I am the way, the truth, the life. Like, there's, there's no other ways, Jesus. Like, you are the sole source of the way to live. You're a sole source of truth. You're a sole source of life. And Jesus would say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so as we look at this, while Jesus was, was this person who would accept and, and bring in anybody, you know, he would, he would welcome people with open arms that you and I may keep our distance from. He says these big things that, that, quite frankly, are completely offensive or ridiculous unless Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. And so he says this, I am the light of the world. I mean, what a, what a big, audacious, arrogant statement he makes. Now, I know that, that for, for many of us here this morning, this is not something you've heard for the first time. So, so real quick poll, okay, um, how many of you, if you're here this morning, would just, just nod your head and think, if you say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the light of the world, just, just give, me, give me a head nod if that's you. Okay, all right, great. So, um, my job this morning is complete. And so now that you know this truth, um, it's all downhill from here, your life will never be the same. Can, can you feel right now the light that leads to life just pouring into your soul? Excellent. Let's close in prayer. And some of you are giggling because you understand and you've lived longer than two seconds and you understand that that's not how things always work. And this I am statement from Jesus is a very powerful truth. But simply accepting information as true doesn't actually change our lives, does it? And, and this has the power to transform us. But if it's going to transform us, we're going to have to do a little bit of work. Just like in any other area of life. And so, um, Jesus says, you know, if you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness. Do you remember the last time that you had to walk in darkness? Maybe, maybe the power went out in your home in, in the dead of night. Or maybe, um, you know, you, you had a car breakdown. Or you think, think, think about the moments when you were in total darkness, physically, just walking around. Like, have you ever tried to get around with the lights off? Even in a place you're familiar with, like your home, and you, 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 you kind of, you're feeling your way out, and you, you, you kind of shuffle, right? You're, you're feeling for furniture and things, and, and you forget maybe something you left on the floor, and you trip, and you fall. And, and when you are walking in darkness, you know, we can all, all remember this, when you try to walk in darkness without something to light your way, it can get really dangerous fast. And, and, and so, um, it can be disorienting, right, to, to be in the dark. And so um, one time, uh, my wife and I, we were at a, a theme park, a, a water park, and they had all these big water slides. And so my wife's not a roller coaster person at all. She, I took her on a roller coaster once and she threatened divorce. She was serious, so we haven't been on one since. Um, but, but she'll do water slides. So we, we climb up one of these big water slides at, at this place, 
And um, it was one of these ones where you get on the inner tube and you go into it. So you're really moving along fast. And neither of us realized this, but as we're going down the slide, we get to the section where you go into a completely enclosed tube. And when I say it is pitch black, I mean you couldn't see your hand in front of your face black. And, and so we, we, we get to the bottom of this thing and we're both like, and yeah, never again, like, like we're dizzy, we're queasy, we're disoriented. Like that was not a fun feeling. Like I enjoy theme parks and I enjoy roller coasters. I did not enjoy that because the, 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 the moving around in total darkness was a disorienting, unsettling feeling. And we used to also have a, a minivan in our family um, that I hated. Um, but, but you know, it was ours. It was paid for, and um, God blessed us with the, with the van, and so it got our family around. But I, I hated it because it was made by Chrysler, and, and, and I, my experience has just not been good with it. But anyway, the reason, one of the, one of the many reasons I hated this minivan so much is, is all the electrical wiring for this minivan, like, went into this one tiny space, and just all this wire shoved in here. And, and it's a design flaw, because what would happen is every once in a while you'd be driving around at night and the headlights would just kick off. And it wasn't that the headlights were, the bulbs were not burned out, I had to check out a bunch of It was just that there was some kind of, you know, small break in the wire somewhere in the maze of, of, of mess that they designed in this thing. And the headlights would just shut off. And, and what I eventually learned to do to cope with it is if I turned on the, the high beams, at least I could not run into a tree. But, but when you're driving at night, and the headlights unexpectedly click off, that is a terrifying, terrifying experience. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm way speed, foot all the way off the gas, right? And I'm being really, really cautious with the steering wheel. Because this is, this is true about, about physical light and physical darkness. When we walk in darkness, we lose freedom, right? Like, we can move around with ease when the lights are on, when it's daytime. But if you are ever at a, at a moment where it's pitch black, you walk around with extreme caution. And, and when you walk in darkness, it, it feels a little bit, you know, like you're a little trapped, right? Like, you cannot move like you normally would. And you're forced to feel your way through life, bumping into unforeseen problems, trying to figure out how to make your way until you can get to a place where you can find light again. And, and what I wanted to do this morning, but was, was unable to, was I, I wanted to turn off all the lights in the room today and just let us sit here in the darkness for a little bit, but they have safety and security lights that never turn off, and so we couldn't do that. But when we walk in darkness, we lose freedom. We lose freedom. And, you know, um, most of you this morning were probably saying, listen, John, I'm not walking in darkness, okay? Whether or not you're your follower of Jesus or not, you say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person, you know, I, I, I believe in, in love and peace and acceptance. I want to see justice in our world. I know the difference between right and wrong. And most of us would say that we are people who are walking in the light. After all, John, I'm here at church right now, so I mean, you know, I don't know how much more light you want me to get. But Jesus didn't say that you would have the light that leads to life by being a good person. He didn't say you'd have the light that leads to life by believing right or anything else you want to fill in the blank that means you're not walking in darkness. I want to put it on the screen again one more time. He says this, according to Jesus, there's no gray area. He said, if you follow me, pay attention to the words Jesus chooses to use here. He says, if you follow me, 
you won't have to walk in darkness. So when you listen to that statement from Jesus, His words, not mine, the opposite is, 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 is also true and apparent. If I am not following Jesus, then I am choosing to walk in darkness. And when I say that out loud, I don't like the way that makes me feel. <laughs> and I don't like the way that, that sounds. And I want to come up with a bunch of different things to, to say that's not really what Jesus meant or soften it. But this is what Jesus said. He said, if we follow him, you won't have to walk in darkness. And Jesus, since he is the light of the world, but I want to ask a question this morning. Is Jesus who is lighting your world? What is the light of your world? And when I say what's the light of your world, I don't mean like when you say that, you know, my child is the light of my life or my, my spouse. Is just, I mean, if you think about your life in an intellectual, in a, in a spiritual sense, what you choose as, as your light determines your decision. It determines your direction. Light determines where we will go in life. Just like the my minivan, physical light determines where you're going to go in life, right? When the lights shut out, all of a sudden I am very unsure of how much to turn the steering wheel. All of a sudden I'm very unsure of how slow, fast to go. And in, 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 a, in a physical sense, we know that light is what gives us the ability to, to have direction and to move in, in the way we want to go. Spiritually, intellectually, what we use as our source of light, what we use to inform our decision making, what we use to inform what is true in life, determines the decisions that we make. It determines what we'll use to decide between what is true and what is false. And while we're on this topic of darkness and light, and what are we lighting our world with, I want to go back to something else that Jesus said about light and darkness in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, he says this, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Jesus is basically saying, hey, listen, your eye, what you pay attention to, it, it determines where you go. It determines the, 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 the direction you head. Your eye, if you think about your physical eyeball, it is the, the physical gateway for light to your body, right? Like, like someone who's unfortunate to, to, to be blind, their eyes don't work properly or they've been damaged somehow and they no longer allow physical light in to do the job that the eyes are designed to do. And, and when, I, when I talk about this in an intellectual and a spiritual sense, your eye is what you choose to focus on in life. Your eye is, is what determines where you're going to go. And so you can focus on Jesus who says he's the light of the world, or we can choose to focus somewhere else. And whatever that somewhere else is, Jesus would say that is darkness. And focus is a really big deal, right? Like, like when you're driving, and in the wintertime, like we just had, had snow and, 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 and there's lots of salt on the road and it clears your, you know, clogs your windshield up. You gotta get, gotta get in and use the, the windshield wipers, the windshield fluid. And if you're like me, I feel like I always run out of windshield wiper fluid after a snowstorm or during a snowstorm. Like I can never run out, I've never run out of windshield wiper fluid in the summer. I, I'm positive. It's never happened to me once. I'm sure it has. I just don't notice it because it's not that critical. But when there's stuff on your windshield, that's, that's critical. 
And, and, and when you're driving, you need to be able to focus on where you're going, right? Like, like we all have yelled at somebody to get off your phone while they're driving because you can see they're kind of weaving in and out of the lanes. They're not paying attention to the road like they should be. They're focused on something else. And because they're focused on something else than what they should be, their car is taking all kinds of unpredictable and dangerous direction. Our focus determines what we hope for in life. Our focus, what we set our eyes on. And so Jesus says, our eyes like the lamp of the body, and what we focus on matters a whole lot. And he goes on to say this in the next verse, verse 22. He says, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And... Jesus said a lot of things like this. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, Jesus had a way of sometimes speaking. My wife says all the time, like, why can't Jesus just say exactly what he means? And the, the, the only answer I have to that is, I don't know. Um, I know I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to know. And you think I have all the answers, but I really don't. I'm just figuring this thing out along the way, just like all you guys are. But Jesus says this, this phrase. He says, if the light you think you have... It's actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And that's hard. That's a hard metaphor to wrap our minds around because when it comes to physical light, like light is light. Like no matter where it comes from, whether it's a really tiny light like a candle, whether it's a big light like a spotlight, we, we, just, we, we can't think of, we can't imagine lighting, trying to light your room with darkness. But that's what Jesus says it's like when our eyes are not focused on him. And it is possible for you and for me to become so focused on what we think is light that we can actually miss God all together. Now, what I'm about to say is going to be, quite frankly, a little narrow-minded and, and it may offend you. And uh, I just want to preface this with saying that I didn't come up with this idea. Uh, I blame Jesus. This is Jesus' idea. I'm just trying to convey it to you. And I'm just trying to put what Jesus had to say in practice. So you and I, we can try to light our world with other things than Jesus who claims to be the light of the world. We can try to light our world with conventional wisdom of our day. We can try to light our world with, with self-help and looking within ourselves for the truth. We can try to light our world with, with, with horoscope or, or any other kind of, of religion or new age or spirituality. And, and when we tap into things... That are not Jesus. We're trying to light our way with darkness. And he's like, John, that's really offensive. I can't believe. What about all these other people who are wonderful people and doing good things and are great citizens and compassionate? And you know what? There's some people that I know that, that, that believe a different religious system or believe a different thing about spirituality than, than Jesus. And you know what? They're actually nicer than some of the other Christians I've met. And you know what? I agree with you. I've met some of those people, and they are nicer, more wonderful people than some of the horrible, cranky people who claim to know Jesus that I've met in my life. But when we tap into things that aren't Jesus, Jesus says, hey, those things are actually darkness. And let me tell you something. There are real, legitimate, spiritual forces in the world that are not from the one true God. And let me tell you something. Those things are not going to show up into your life as evil, okay? When spiritual darkness from another source, like, like, like whatever you may want to fill in the blank with, like, they're not going to put on the poster, like, something from Poltergeist and be like, come here and eat children and sacrifice babies. We're evil. Like, that is not how spiritual darkness enters our lives. 
It will appear to be something that is that is good. It will be something that appears to be light. I want to bring up a, a verse that where Paul's talking about uh, some 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 people are causing problems in a church in Corinthians. He says this in Second Corinthians. He says these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. Now, I'm not. You know, here to, to point fingers at anyone specifically or anything like that. But what I will say this. When someone comes along and says, oh yeah, I, I love Jesus. I believe in his teachings. I think he's he's the son of God. And I also, uh, you, you've got to check out these, these, these crystal things that have healing power. Or they talk about some other thing. They bring something else into it. The Bible would say that they are false apostles. Christ. And you're like, John, like, do you realize how like out of touch you sound? Yes, I do. But my job this morning is just to relate to you what Jesus actually has to say about himself. And the decision is yours to make. And he goes on and says this, but I am not surprised. He says this, even Satan disguises himself as what? As an angel of light. When, when Satan or someone who is who's, who's under his control comes into our lives, when a religious idea, when a spiritual idea, when something that seems like this is a great, positive thing, a good vibe, positive energy thing that I should incorporate into my life, this will help me follow Jesus better. That's just something disguising itself as light. And the truth is, spiritually speaking, Intellectually speaking, it is possible to confuse darkness with light. Now, physically, that's completely impossible, right? Like, no one's ever been like, oh my gosh, it's so bright in this room when the lights are all off. You know, no one's, no one's ever said, you know, confused light with darkness. But in our, in our spiritual lives, in our intellectual, our mental lives, it is possible to confuse darkness with light. And you know what? It's really hard for me to admit that I could confuse darkness with light. Because that just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? And it's hard for us to envision that we could get something like mixing up darkness and light wrong. But when you think about it, we all have, haven't we? Just think about your own life. And you can look back on some moments, some decisions that you've made, some seasons of life where, where, where things were not going well. And after we get removed from it by, by maybe a few months or a few years, have you ever looked back on something you did, said, or a way you behaved during a season of life and said, how could I be so foolish? Like you look back on it and you're like, wow, I was so off on what, what was really going on in my life or in, in, in this, this situation. We've all done it, right? Like, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but, but we've all been there before where we've looked back like, I cannot believe how wrong I saw this situation. I cannot believe how, how foolish I was to make that kind of decision financially to do this. I can't believe I was that stupid. How could I not see what was really going on? And if we can, if we can be honest with ourselves, which I know is not easy to do all the time, and look back and say, there have been times when I have, I have made decisions, I've lived in a way, and when I look back on it, it's like, man, I was, I was so wrong. Like, I was not, I was not even close to, to following the truth. If that is true, then we have to admit that it's possible for us to confuse darkness with light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
He's like, there's no other. Which is really offensive, really exclusive. But Jesus says, if you follow me, if you try to light your path with me, if you can imagine yourself at nighttime in the woods trying to find your way back to, to a car from a hike, maybe you got, got lost, and, and it's dark out, you know, what's the first thing you do when you're walking at night? You're going to pull out your phone and turn the flashlight function on, right? So it'll light your path so you can see where to go, so you don't twist your ankle on a root or something else, so you can know where to go. Jesus says that when we follow him, when we light our path with him, when he trusts that he is the only real light, he says when you do that, you don't have to walk in darkness. Which means when we try to light our path with anything beyond, in addition to, other than the light of the world, Jesus, we are choosing to walk in darkness. Now, if you've grown up around church, and, and, and you think, hey, you know, this doesn't apply to me. Like, I, I know what's, what's, what's right or wrong. I believe in Jesus for, for years, John. And, and, and this doesn't apply to me. I, I want to I cruise on down to the same chapter of John. John chapter 8. He says, I'm the light of the world. And if you go on down to verse 31, Jesus says this. Jesus said to the people who what? Was said. Who believed in him. Jesus said to the people who were buying it. Jesus said to the people who go to church. Jesus said to the people who would call themselves Christians. He says this. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then there's this famous phrase that you've heard over and over again, both in and out of church. It says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That, that's, a, that, that, that's a popular phrase in, in society, and that came from Jesus. This is where it originated from. And Jesus says that we can understand the truth and still not be free. Which doesn't really like make sense in our modern context because our society says, hey, if you if you follow the data and if you, if you look at the, the, the science, if you get the right info, then, then you'll have the facts. Once you have the facts, then you'll you'll know the truth. It's gonna transform you, right? And if you've argued with people about, you know, whatever, anything, whether or not you think Ford's better than Chevy or Republicans better than Democrat or whatever it is you've argued about, and you're like, hey, here's this information, once you have this information, you'll be able to walk in truth. And society says truth can be found in all these places. Look inside yourself. Look at other spiritual things. Whatever. And once you have the right info, then you'll live in freedom. I'm going to just want to point something out. If it's true that just having the right information, having more knowledge, more education, allows us to live in freedom, come on. We have more access to knowledge and information and education than any generation in the history of the world. Does it seem to you that in this information age we live, when all of us have a computer in our pocket, that we can research any topic known to man in a split second? Has that ushered us into all living with a light that leads to life? Do you find yourself just experiencing amazing freedom in each and every day? Do the people you work with and live beside and go to school, do they all just seem like they are living in an enormous freedom because of all the information we have access to? And the truth is, knowledge by itself will just make you arrogant. And, and right now, all of you are thinking of someone besides yourself. You think, man, yeah, that guy's a know it all. I don't like him. He's a big jerk. 
Knowledge alone will make you arrogant. Will make you arrogant. But following Jesus will make you free. Just having the information isn't enough. And just believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life isn't enough. And so I want to point something out here. So if you've, if you've read the, the, the Gospels, the books about Jesus at all, you're, you're familiar with this group of people that were always in opposition to Jesus, and they were called Pharisees, right? And, and, and a lot of times we, when, when you read the Bible or in the church, they just always get kind of cast as the villains, and, and, and they're always just the, the, the people who are opposing what Jesus does. And so sometimes we don't give it any more thought than this. But I want to give you a little bit of just, just background on, on how the Pharisees, this group of religious strict observing religious people in, in ancient Jewish society. This is how they came to be. So these guys were a group that prided themselves on strict observance of God's Old Testament law of Moses, the first you know, five books of the Bible. And, and they came to exist out of a direct reaction to all these different foreign nations that had come along and, and conquered, you know, initially conquered Israel and were dominating the Middle East region. So you've got a, a, just a quick history lesson. At one point, Israel is its own sovereign nation, and and and, and along comes um, you know Babylon. The, the king of ba Babylon takes over. And so Babylon tries to, 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 to take over. And then Babylon gets conquered by, by the Persians. And then by Alexander the Great. And then by Rome. And as each one of these empires has, has taken over the place where Israel exists, each empire sought to assimilate the Jewish people into their own culture. Each of these dominant cultures wanted them to abandon the law of Moses and live their lives according to their cultural values, according to their spiritual beliefs. And so the Pharisees started off as saying, hey, you know what? No matter who's in charge, no matter who's oppressing us, no matter who has conquered our land, we are not going to give in and bow to these other religions. We're not going to give in and give away our culture. And so they were passionate, hear me, about following God. The one true God of Israel. They were passionate about it. So the Pharisees are holding tightly to the law of Moses, to the Jewish way of life. And they believed they were carrying out the will of God by keeping the Jewish people focused on the right things. Until the Messiah, who in, in Old Testament you know, prophecy, the, the, that's Jesus. No one recognized him as Jesus. But they, there's, there's all this promise of one day a guy's going to come along and change everything. And it's all going to be better. And so they knew how to live right they believed they were pleasing God. And here's the kicker. The Pharisees' main job, the main reason they existed, is they were eagerly looking to identify when the Messiah would show up. The Pharisees' hope was set on the Messiah coming in a very specific way. They were expecting a political, military deliverance to set the course for how they lived their lives. And here's the thing. Can you imagine that their whole reason for existing is to identify the Messiah? And when the Messiah actually came, they missed him. Now, if it's possible for people who have dedicated their entire lives and their entire profession to try to identify the Messiah that God would send, if they could miss him because they were so zoned in on, on having the right information, but they weren't actually having their heart transformed for God, if it was possible for them to miss it, guys, 
It's possible for you and I to miss it. Even if we've grown up in church our entire lives. Even if we know all kinds of stuff from the Bible. Even if we have all the right information. Because here's the thing I want you to remember more than anything else. If we walk in the light of Jesus alone, we will live in freedom like we've never known. I made that little cutesy rhyming thing, so hopefully you'll remember it more than like two seconds. So I want you to say this with me real quick, whether you believe it or not. Just say it with me so it's sticking your brain a little bit. So one, two, three. If we live in the light of Jesus alone, we'll experience freedom like we've never known. That was horrible. You guys didn't like it. I don't think anything said. I read it all. Alright, I'm going to read it off of the iPad this morning. Here we go. One, two, three. If we walk in the light of Jesus alone, we live in freedom like we've never known. Alright, one more time since I screwed it up the first time. If we walk in the light of Jesus alone, we live in freedom like we've never known. Now you and I, we think, and thank you for the applause, I landed in the encouragement. We think freedom is not having to listen to anybody besides ourselves. Right? Like, like when you're a kid, especially maybe when you were a teenager, you're like, oh, sometimes I can't wait until I'm on my own so I can do all the things I want to do. And then all of a sudden, adults look back and they're like, you have no idea how much freedom you actually have right now. Like, I have to do all these things because we've got to pay bills and eat and live indoors and pay car payments and mortgage and all that kind of stuff. But we think that freedom... Is, is doing whatever we want to do. But in reality, that's just slavery to the things that catch our attention. Real freedom, unintuitively, is found in surrendering to the only person who truly gets us and unconditionally loves us. That's where real freedom comes. And if we put our focus, if we put our attention, if we put our, 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 our light somewhere besides following Jesus which he would describe as putting his words into practice, then we are walking in darkness. And so I come back to this, this verse that, where Jesus uh, talks about wise and foolish builders because it, it paints such a clear picture of what is at stake with, with how we light our lives. He says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Not anyone who just listens to my teaching. He says, you are like a person who built a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in, the torrents and floodwaters rise, and wind beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. He goes on. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who built a house on sand. When the rain and floods come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I cannot make this point clear enough. There's so much at stake when it comes to what we choose to light our world with. And Jesus is really clear. He's like, hey, there's not room for anything else. I want you to light your world with me alone because I am the only one who knows what is best for you. I'm the only one who really knows you. I'm the only one who truly gets you down to the soul level. And I'm the only one who unconditionally loves you. And so we live at a time when it is, it is just it is the 
thing to be inclusive and say, oh yeah, anything that, that's encouraged me to be a better person, that's great. Let me add that in. Or maybe maybe we're like, hey, I, I love this stuff. I'm hearing this, this church about this Jesus guy, and it's great. And let me add Jesus to all the other things I, I believe. And when we do that, we're walking in darkness. Which I don't like to admit, and you don't like to admit. No one likes to say, I'm walking in darkness. It sounds so, it sounds like a plot out of a superhero movie, right? And then the villain who's walking in darkness. It sounds so dramatic. But Jesus is making the point here with this parable. He says, listen, when we take what Jesus has to say and we actually follow it, not listen to it, not say amen, not post it on our Facebook, not do anything else, but actually put it into practice. When we obey what Jesus has to say, then we are following him. When we do that, we are building our lives in such a way. We are living in a way that, that our light is from him. And we are living in such a way that no matter what storms come against our lives, we're not going to be torn down. We're not going to be destroyed. Our life's not going to end up in, in a heap of rubble because we are built on something that can endure life's storms. It can endure adversity. It can endure heartbreak and, 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 and tragedy. So who has the final say in the decisions you make in your life? Are, are, we, are we asking what Jesus wants us to do with those things? Are we asking God what, what He has to say? Are we praying about those things? Are we filtering our choices through Jesus, the light of the world? Or are we just kind of, you know, feeling it out as we go along? Are we doing what feels right? Are we taking information and, and taking advice from all kinds of spiritual places and saying, okay, well, you know, the Bible says this, and, and Jesus said, in this situation, I'm supposed to forgive this person who's wounded me deeply, but, you know, I was looking at, at, at the, the, the horoscope today, and it says, you know, be true to yourself or something like that. I don't know, I've never read a horoscope, so that's horrible. But anyway, my point is, what you choose to light your life with is going to determine the course your life goes on. And when following Jesus becomes inconvenient or counterintuitive or maybe even painful, what we like your world with. So you, you may say, okay, well, John, like if knowing the right stuff isn't enough, and like how do I know when I'm actually following Jesus? How do I know that I have the light that leads to life? I want to give you three simple things. So if you take a, a simple piece of paper and put it in three columns, just draw two lines on it so you've got three columns on the piece of paper, this is what you should do. First off, you need to read what Jesus taught. If you're not reading anything that Jesus has to say, um, I don't care what you say. Jesus isn't lighting your life. <laughs> if you're not reading what Jesus had to say, you can't follow him. You can say you follow him. You can go to church. You can listen to messages online. But if you are not for yourself opening up what Jesus had to say, what Jesus taught, you can't follow him. Because he defined it for us. He said, hey, following me is doing what I taught. So you have to read what Jesus taught. Then we have to process what Jesus taught. And then the last one is one that, that we all really, historically in, in church, especially in America, really suck at. Uh, we have to practice what Jesus taught. We actually have to start doing it. And so when you go to read the Bible, I want you to do this next time you read the Bible. Take a piece of paper, put it in three columns. In the first column, literally, by hand, just rewrite the verse you just read, or verses. You're like, John, that's going to take a long time. I know. 
But you know what it'll do? It'll force you to actually focus and process it. And this is something that, that I started doing a while ago, and, and it's, it's really changed the way, the way I read the Bible. And it also makes me read the Bible really slow. I've been reading John for like seven months now. Um, but what happens when you do that is it forces you to process it in ways that, that we don't otherwise, especially in our extremely distracted world we live in now. And the middle column, you take what you just read and you rewrite it in your own words. So like, hey, if I wasn't going to read this to somebody, but I was trying to tell them about what, I, what Jesus taught, I would just summarize it in my own words, just paraphrase it. And that makes you process it. And then the last column, you would write, and if you guys are a part of a discovery group, you already know where I'm going with this, you would write what we call an I will statement. Where you say, okay, I've read this, what Jesus had to say, I've processed it, and so now I'm going to, to, to pray on this, and I'm going to say, God, what do you need to do about this? And I will write something that begins with the words, I will. For, 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 for example, I will you know, forgive so-and-so who hurt me deeply. Or, you know, I will begin to spend time daily in prayer or reading the Bible or whatever it is. Because if we do not get super intentional about following Jesus and using Him to light our world over and over and over again. Something else is going to catch your attention. And you may not recognize it at first, but you will just begin to use that as something to light your world. And when you do that, you're walking a path that's going to lead to darkness. And I don't mean necessarily darkness like, okay, well, the next thing you know, you're going to be worshiping Satan and drinking blood. I just mean you're headed in a direction where you're going to bump into stuff. And you're not going to see things coming. And you're going to be hurt in life because you are no longer seeing the light of the world in front of your feet. So I'm going to ask Chris to put on um, a, a track as, as I want to close us in, in prayer this morning. I get how, um, how narrow-minded this morning's talk is and how it is uh, indirect opposition to basically our entire society where it's like, you know, just be tolerant of everybody and, and everything's okay to believe as long as you don't tell someone else that they could potentially be wrong. And I would, I would love it if that were true. That would be much easier, especially in our world. But what I care about more than getting along and going with the flow of our society is that people would know and encounter Jesus in a very real way. Because I know what's happened to me is I've encountered Jesus in a real way. And I've seen it in other lives in this room. And I know how easy it is for us to get distracted and use other things to light our world and set our focus on other things. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you and we need your help to keep us focused on your light and then not become distracted by other things that would that would vie for our attention and say light your life with this make your life about this hobby make your life about this thing add this spiritual practice from somewhere else to you get some information from here or from there trust us God would you help us to trust you alone because you are the only, only voice that can be trusted 100%. Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would all light 
our world with your son. So, um, if he was uh, here this morning, or if you're listening to this after the fact, um, I just want to give an opportunity, if, if you say, hey, you know what, uh, John, maybe, maybe you're here this morning, you're like, I've been in church for a long time, or I've grown up around this time, but I, I, I re realized this morning, I'm not really following Jesus, I'm just going through the steps, I'm just going through the motions. If that's you this morning, would you just, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, would you just, you know, lift your, lift your eyes up and make eye contact with me, I want to pray with you this morning. I'm here, I, I, I've, been, I've been believing Jesus, but I haven't really been following. Thank you. Yeah, for those of us that, that would say that's us in this situation, Lord, I pray that we would begin to follow you in, in a new way, that we would surrender control to you and experience your love, your peace, your joy, your hope in a new way this morning. And the second invitation, if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, John, I, I just, I never have this Saul, something that, that is, is new to me, but as, as you've been talking this morning, like something's going on in my soul, and I can't quite explain, but I want to begin following Jesus today for the first time. Again, you don't need to raise your hand and get up out of your seat or anything, but I just want you to let it make eye contact with me. I would love to pray with you this morning if that's you. And if you're watching this after the fact, just, just send us a message. Uh, John at, at rlvc.net. Send me an email. I would love to catch up with you and pray with you after the fact. But God, for anyone here this morning or listening to this that says, I want to begin following you, Lord, I pray that they would just sense your love and your acceptance and, and your, um, your peace in their heart and their soul now. That they would not just go through a religious activity, but God, that they would experience you and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I hope that this has been...